Welcome to Neither Here Nor There. Hello there. It's so nice to see you back so soon. I hope that our little meetings are becoming as integral to you functioning as they are to me. I have something to show you. But this time, it's not something I stumbled upon. It's not something we will see in real time. It's a story from a man, much like you, who learned more than he was ready for. You've been in this position too, haven't you? I don't want to give anything away, but do know that any sudden movements, any jostling of the branches and twigs near you could be the difference between life and death. I'd be careful if I were you. Don't look around you. Look up. We've spent so much time down here that we've forgotten to shift our gaze to the skies. Can you feel the infinitesimal darkness wrapping around you? Good. It's about time you felt it get tighter. All in due time. This is the story of the light in the dark forest. Almost. Almost. Alright, see that? That's called the Pleiades Star Cluster. Seven stars all bunched up nice and tight. You know, the mythology behind them says that they are seven sisters. Could you imagine what that house was like? Here, let, let me move this just a bit. That there? You see anything? Good. Because that's nothing. It's your bedtime. Come on, that was a good one. You gotta admit that. I got a lot of memories of my dad. Like this. He always seemed to have a joke in his back pocket. No matter how he was feeling. Almost every memory I have of him is either him in the kitchen, burning himself on something, or back in his shed with his telescope. He wasn't the most social guy. He was an only child from a family of introverts, so I think he learned to entertain himself on his own. He'd spend hours messing with something small and trying to get it to work just to burst into the room and say that he fixed it. That's just who Dad was. But, like all people who grow up, eventually they, they get older and, well, they die. Mom had been gone for a while, so it was just me and my dad. I moved out after college, got myself a girlfriend, which became a long-term girlfriend, and I started seeing him less and less. There'd be weeks where I forgot to call. Life just got in the way sometimes. 
it's stupid, right? Like, you look back on all the lazy days you had, and you could have spent them with your dad. And it fills you with nothing but guilt. Especially at the funeral, when everybody's talking about all these great memories they had with him, and all of yours were just spending time in the shed looking up at stars. In a way, I won. All these people remembered my dad as this bombastic personality who always had a joke, was almost swanky in a way, if that makes sense. But I got to be with my dad when he was at his happiest, which usually was just me and him sitting together in the quiet, staring up at stars. I remember sitting there in the lobby, just outside this office, watching this smarmy asshole grin as he unfolded the will and got out his $400 pen. I was just staring off into the distance, waiting for it all to be over. But luckily I had my girlfriend there to distract me a bit before I went in. We've got this thing. Uh, Whenever the news is on, you try to make the murder or crime they're going on about seem so much worse than it is. That day's was as you'd expect. Thank you, Tina. On to our next story. Just how brittle can your bones become? And how dangerous is the outside to someone like you? Terry, take it away. We were called into the room. I gave my girlfriend a kiss goodbye. My family all took our seats and stared at the lawyer who let out a sigh. My dad didn't have much. My family never really had much. So when it came time to divide possessions, the house got inherited to my uncle. It was up in the air if I was moving or not, so I can't blame him. Then there was his car, which my uncle also got. The list went on and on. I mean, we weren't poor, but did we really need to itemize his plates and forks? We could just donate those, right? All this felt like it took hours. My uncle getting a lot of stuff inherited to him, and me with nothing in hand, until right at the end, the lawyer doing all this will stuff turned to me and said, He wanted you to uh, have this. It was a book. This heavily used journal that was way nicer than my dad would have ever spent money on. Dad always treated his stuff like shit. The toolbox had tons of magnets in it, so all the tools were always stuck together, rusting. He had a screwdriver he taped to a hammer, and by the marks on it, it looked like he used it exactly like that more than once. My uncle drove us back to Dad's place in his... new car. And when we got there, I sat on the couch, holding Dad's journal. My uncle was fixing us food or something, and I cracked open the journal and started reading it. It was incredible. Probably 120 pages or so of nothing but astronomical charts and observations. Now, I will admit, I was still mad that my uncle got all the stuff I probably could have used or sold so I could buy something better, but that was just stuff. What I got was the last real piece of my dad left on this planet. Cracking the cover, the very first page, in awful old English font, said, The Keys to the Universe. I 
could almost hear my dad doing it in those voices he used to do whenever I was sad. Flipping through the first few pages, my dad had written out quite a bit. I actually want to read them to you. It goes, Are you a traveler too? I'm not sure how you've come into possession of this book, but please, return it to 883 Pinehurst Avenue. If I've died and no longer can possess this book, please, return it to 883 Pinehurst Avenue. Just leave it under the doormat. This journal is an extensive glimpse into the skies and heavens above. All throughout the content of these pages are the charts of planets, which are well documented, and meteorites that I've now classified as minor threats to the human race. Their paths can be found using the table of contents just before this page. Feel free to learn what you need, or leave the journal as you found it. However, I beg you, do not alter the contents of any pages. The book must be left as is. I tucked the notebook into my jacket and decided to head out. I think it would have been weird to have sat there on my uncle's new couch and just cry the whole time I read Dad's old journal. I got home and told my girlfriend that I needed some time to myself, which she happily gave me, and I sat up reading everything he wrote. I don't think I slept that night. Every page, every little joke he wrote down, felt like him spending time with me one last time. I really should have come over more. I made my way through the entire journal that night. Come to think of it, I don't think I slept at all for 36 hours straight. Some of it was out of sorrow, but a large portion of it was this diagram he'd written on the back cover of this journal. Three concentric circles, each with blocks containing letters. Some were upside down, some were reversed, some were from other languages, and all across the top of the page was a sentence, When we listen, we learn. Repeated over and over, shifted one letter to the right until it made its way back around again. I thought he'd gone insane. This whole time I spent away from him, my dad literally drove himself insane in his backyard. He just needed a friend, and I wasn't there as much as I needed to be, I guess. The next day, I went back to my uncle's place. We talked about everything, shared a few stories about dad, and then I looked out into the backyard and said, what are you going to do with his old shed? My uncle laughed a bit, said something like, I don't know, tear it down, may make it a museum, who knows? I asked him if it would be alright to walk through it one last time before he tore it down, and he didn't care one bit if I did it or not. So we walked outside and found out Dad padlocked the door shut. Neither of us had the key, so we had to go into his toolbox where the pliers were magnetized to every other tool in the box, just like Dad would have wanted it, and cut through the lock. The door slowly opened and everything was there just as he left it. His cheap little wooden desk, his sunroof with his expensive Celestron telescope, and sheets covering all these old electrical boxes that were scattered everywhere. My dad really was alone. He just wanted someone to talk to. 
Sorry, I... I can't keep doing this to you. I asked my uncle if he knew anything about this. His obsessions with space, his charting of the stars, his handiwork he'd been doing to keep himself busy. And he said that he mostly kept to himself, working himself like a madman. There was, he said, one night where he was woken up by these incredibly bright flashes. My uncle had stayed the night because him and my dad had been drinking and he didn't want to wreck his car that had been falling apart, and saw that my dad had been welding. Something. It had to have been two in the morning. He had no clue what it was, but he staggered his way out to the shed and told him to put it away because he'd hurt himself. But my dad threw a sheet over whatever it is that he'd been messing with and told him that he wasn't doing anything. He thought that was weird, but that's who my dad was. He was just a private guy. I drove home that night and went straight to the dining room table. I just couldn't get this weird puzzle out of my head from the back of the book. I wrote it out on a sheet of paper and couldn't really make sense of it. My girlfriend got up from bed and told me I had to sleep because it had been, I don't know, almost two and a half days at this point with no sleep. I asked her if the puzzle made any sense to her, and she said no. Right as I was trying to explain what I thought it could be, she took the book from me and said, Good night. I didn't get much sleep that night. I stayed laying there on my side, eyes shut, but in my mind I saw those letters rotating in a circle. Were they a word? Was this just some joke? Why couldn't my dad just give me a card that says, I love you, son. Wish you could have seen me before I died, or something. I just sat there, spinning the puzzle in my mind, saying that same repeated phrase over and over again. When we listen, we learn. When we listen, we learn. When we listen, we learn. We listen, we learn. We learn. When we listen, we learn. When we listen, we learn. I felt like I was going insane. I posted the puzzle in a couple of group chats I was in. I didn't want to put it on a big forum because it was something personal to me and my dad. You know how people are that you don't know and how they can be. And all my friends had the same responses. You sure this is what you should be spending your time on? You've been online a lot recently. When's the last time you slept? Are you sure he's not just fucking with you? My dad used to mess with me a lot. It's part of being a dad. Nothing could shake me. I know it's embarrassing, but I... I started to email local adjunct professors, first their teacher aides, and then professors themselves. I... I didn't get any responses. It wasn't until I'd been bugging them for weeks that I started to hit them with a guilt trip. My literal dead dad left me this, and if I don't solve it, I'll be dead too. Somehow, it worked? I managed to get myself a reply back. It was probably pure pity, but I didn't care. I got a response from an adjunct professor, taught something like linear algebra. She was exactly who I needed to look at this. She told me her office hours and said that her students get priority over me, no matter what. And I said, obviously, yeah. 
and let her know that I would be there waiting for her. Uh, probably freaked her out a bit when she saw that I'd been sitting outside her office for over an hour. It's just... I, d- I didn't want to be late. It's rude, and she's helping me, you know? She unlocked her door, sat down at her desk, and said... Uh, how can I help you? I told her everything. From my dad's obsessions with charting everything he could see move in the sky, mom dying years beforehand, his inability to tell me what he was thinking before making a joke about it. Then, I showed her the puzzle. Your dad left you a cipher? I'd never heard of a cipher before, but that's exactly what it was now that I've looked them up. A cipher puzzle, most popularly on a wheel, have outer bands with the answer and an inner band that has clues or steps to getting the answer which is probably the more accurate way to say it. We were missing that inner band. I can't help you. If we don't have the inner circle or a key for decoding, we could be sitting here for the rest of our lives guessing at it. She had no idea that I was ready for exactly that. I was bummed out, and I knew that she could see it on my face. I'm not very good at hiding these things. Uh, She sat there silently for a bit before saying, Here, I I don't know what else I can do to help you. Do you want someone to read it besides you? Or is it personal? Hearing that perked me up. I asked if there was any way I could get in contact with a a physics department professor, a teacher's aide, uh, anyone qualified really, to ask them about the notes my dad left. She said yes and that she had a bit more pull than normal because of some stuff she had to do to rinse the university's name, whatever that meant. And I thanked her profusely and tucked the journal into my jacket. I reached out to give her a handshake, but she... she hugged me instead. I hadn't gotten a hug since my dad died. I just stood there silently. If you ever find that in a ring, you let me know. Okay? Sound like a plan? It sounded like a plan. Hardly any time passed at all before I got an email from the head of the physics department at the same university. The professor said that he had some time opening up because his only PhD candidate decided to pursue a career in film instead of engineering. Can't really say I blame him and he let me know that he was free for the next two weeks or so, and that he was typically on campus every Tuesday and Thursday, and that sooner in the day is always better than, you know, later. I met him on campus Tuesday morning and handed him over the journal. I let him know that this journal means the world to me, and that my dad was an amateur astronomer, and I just wanted to see how right he was with the stuff that he'd wrote down. The professor flipped through the book, letting out these little chuckles here and there. I like to imagine he was laughing at the side jokes and not my dad's life's work. He talked about how right he was about retrogrades, the funny movement planets do in the sky because our orbits are lined up weird. If you really look at Jupiter, it almost looks like it's doing back and forths instead of a standard orbit. Same goes for the other planets as well. Uh, He drew these orbits out in perfect circles, one after the other. Uh, The professor, 
He pinched these pages together, uh, held up the book by them, and said, This right here is golden. I mean it. I sat there, kind of overwhelmed, waves hitting me like I was buried up to my neck in sand. Each page that turned was a new one bulldozing me. Realizations that Dad really was gone. The professor made it all the way to the back of the book where he saw the puzzle. Naturally, he asked me, What's this? And I told him that my dad had a knack for puzzles and playing pranks. He said that it was a really smartly designed thing and that it's an incomplete cipher. He asked if I had the decoder anywhere, and I had to tell him, Sorry, if I did, I probably wouldn't be bothering you about it. The professor let out a laugh, then got very stern and said, Do you mind if I take a look at this for, for a couple hours? Don't worry, I won't be leaving the office. I just want to run through a few things. I stressed to him just how much this journal means to me, and he reassured me that no matter what, he will leave the book exactly as he found it. So I sat there for a bit, stood up, then shook his hand and said, It's all yours. He let out a very knowing nod and told me to close the door on my way out. I met my girlfriend for lunch. By this point, I had to have looked like an insane person. Bags under my eyes. I'm still in the clothes I wore two days ago. But the whole time, she was incredibly supportive. We talked about anything and everything that wasn't my dad. And for once, I was able to think about something else. I stopped eating at one point and just held her hands. I finally felt like I was back on stable ground with her. We had to have been in that restaurant for at least two hours. I think the waiter gave up on us at one point, and honestly, I can't blame him. We paid our bill, and I walked her to her car, gave her a hug, and said I'd be home in an hour or so, just have to stop by the university to pick something up. She gave me a kiss and said something flirty like, A strange man coming over to my place? Whatever will I do? She gave me a kiss and we drove our separate ways. I made my way to the university and saw that the physics professor's door was unlocked. I did a courtesy knock and then I saw the journal sitting there on his desk, pushed away from him. I figured he'd probably just run to the restroom or something, I'll hang out for a bit. But minutes turned to an hour, and I really, really needed to get some sleep. And I thought, I should probably leave a note or something, letting him know that I took the journal, but I don't know, I I shouldn't have been driving in the first place, so what's another bad decision, you know? I thought it was pretty inconsiderate to just leave the journal there, but I got over it. I grabbed my dad's journal, tucked it into my jacket, and left. I finally slept. I hadn't felt comfort like this in days. And I was finally able to close my eyes and sleep. My girlfriend was there in my arms, the fan lightly buzzing. It was everything I needed to feel like I was going to be okay. That morning, I'd send an email to the professor letting him know that I'm good to meet again, whatever time fits his schedule, but I didn't get a response. Figured. It's around exams week. I get it. 
So I went about my day as usual. For the first time in days, I actually left the journal somewhere out of anyone's hands. I left it on my nightstand. I helped my girlfriend clean up the apartment. We hadn't exactly done that in a bit, so it took just about the entire day to do. Skipping a bunch of boring details, uh, that night we were laying on the couch when we put on the local news. I know that it's a very old person thing to do, but it's something we've always done before bed. The 11 o'clock news is always so much worse than anything you could imagine, and we've always gotten fun out of, uh, you know, making fun of the suburban moms panicking that they're bringing the gay agenda to public schools or, you know, something. There's always this news music that fades in, but this time, it felt louder than normal. And then we saw it. Are you and your children safe? How these two fashion retailers are finding new ways to keep your high-priority children highly visible. God, man, this never gets old. But before, in much more somber news, Dr. Clay Danton beloved member of the physics department at Young University, was found shot dead in his home from an apparent suicide. Police chief Ed Ware has ruled out foul play, citing evidence of the bullet's trajectory. We will now take you to the scene. Margaret, can you hear us? I was floored. Not even 48 hours ago, I was sitting across from him, talking about puzzles, planetary movements, the weather, and now... He's... He... What happened between me leaving his office and that night... uh, I've always heard about people who have severe depression, how they often hide it in reclusive ways, but this... This was all of a sudden. The professor was a jolly guy. He had nothing but love for his career. I mean, to see his eyes light up when we talked about something as boring as exit velocity... It just, it just didn't make sense. We shut off the TV and headed to bed. Neither one of us could muster up the courage to say anything. My girlfriend knew I'd just met him, but I think she wanted to give distance, you know, given everything. I slept like shit that night. Just like yesterday never happened. The puzzle was right there in my mind. Spinning forever, faster, and faster, and faster. It was nauseating. I tossed and turned, my mind jolting to the only two thoughts I had running through my head. The rotating puzzle and the professor laying there dead in his armchair. I was supposed to go into work that morning, but I let my boss know what was going on. He told me that he'd find a way to get the time out of me later and not worry about it. The thing is, I didn't do much that day. My girlfriend went to work and I was finally home, alone, all by myself, with nothing but my thoughts and the journal. I don't know what it was about that professor, but his demeanor stood out to me. Everything about him was so playful. I just didn't get how he could heel turn that fast. I wasn't crying about it. I was just shaken. It's a bit embarrassing, but I started to talk the way he did about the journal. I don't know if it was the like a way of processing trauma, or just 
me wanting to get into the headspace to see what finally pushed him over the edge, but I felt like I had to do it. I held up the journal and said, Good weight! A lot of ideas in here, huh? Then I pretended to put on gloves before opening it. Then I pinched the pages holding the diagrams of the planetary rotations between my pointer finger and my thumb, and I said, This right here is golden. I mean it. And I held the pages up, just stared at them, wondering how long my dad had spent drawing them, all on his own. But then I held them up to the light. I hadn't really kept my blinds open. I've gotten used to only using lamps, so I positioned my lamp to be like the sun, right there in the center of all the rings. When I noticed... They lined up almost exactly with the puzzle at the back of the book. I thought, no, it couldn't be that. That'd be way too convenient. But sure enough, that's exactly how it was. It felt euphoric to see this, to hold in my hands potentially what could be the key to it all, you know? I got in my car and just drove. I didn't bother calling the professor. I don't really know what came over me. Everything in me needed this thing solved, and she was the only person I knew that could potentially solve this. I needed to know what my dad said. I ran up to her office and waited, and I waited, and I waited. I had no clue if she was even in today. I guess I nodded off or something. I was kind of jolted back into everything by a kick on my leg from a sharp-toed boot. It was her. She let out the sigh and said, You could have called, you know. I explained everything to her. My childhood, my dad's weird tics, how I found the inner ring. I couldn't slow down. I was so excited to get it all out of me that by the time I got to reenacting the physics professor's words about the book, she... She made me stop, which I... I understand. Probably isn't the best move to talk like a former co-worker who just killed himself over... She took the journal and told me to go and that she'll call me if she's able to figure it out. She mentioned that she was busy and this could take some time, so I may have to be without it for a few hours, which was a stab in the gut. I was writhing. I couldn't drive. I just sat in my car, staring at my phone, waiting for it to ring. It's... It's a bit embarrassing, but there was a time period that I just stared at the black screen of my phone, looking at my own reflection. I kept looking into my eyes. How long have I been awake? When's the last time I was able to sit down and talk to someone about anything other than this book? Where's my girlfriend? She's not gone, is she? When my phone lit up, I don't even think I let it ring for a quarter of the dial tone. I picked it up immediately and went, yeah, what'd you find? And all I heard was static. Right as I was about to ask her again what she found, she cut me off. I've never heard her speak this cold before. She let out the sigh and said, I don't know. I don't give a fuck where you found this book. Come to my office now. You have ten minutes. She hung up. I rushed there as fast as possible and 
she threw the book into my chest and said, Burn this. Go home and burn this. We don't know each other. None of this ever happened. And left her office with her car keys and nothing else. I was rattled. How do you... What do you even do whenever someone tells you to do something like that? I drove home in complete silence. I I don't think I even thought about anything the entire drive. When I got home, I tossed the book on my table and sat there with it for a bit, running my fingers along the pages when I noticed something. Indentations from someone writing that had clearly been erased. This mark showed a weird leap forward and back again, uh, the sequence that navigated the outside of the puzzle. A couple forward that way, two back, then nine forward that way, then a dot on the first letter. I. I? What could she have read that made her storm out like that? My dad was never really the type of person to sit around and write, like, sex jokes into his work. He was never inappropriate with women. All he cared about was explaining just how big things in space were compared to people like you and me. See? The look on her face is what bugged me the most. It was almost like I'd showed her the date that she would die. Just abject disgust at the fact that I made her read something. There was a tinge of empathy from her that I got, or at least I thought I got when she was the only person who'd answered my cold calls to help me out with this shit puzzle. Hell, I don't know. I was sitting there, talking at a wall inside of my head, driving myself insane trying to figure out what I did to make her look at me like that. Hell, I thought, probably no use in stewing on it. This wasn't about her. It was about something my dad wanted to show me, that I always was too busy to be around to hear from him. The puzzle started to come naturally to me at this point. A couple forward, a few back, a few forward again. It's brilliant how he designed this to run alongside the retrograde of the planets that he'd been obsessed with. D. Couldn't have killed the guy to have given me a legend or anything, but I guess this was payback for all those nights I had plans at 9pm on a Wednesday, I guess. T. I thought back to my childhood. Those nights I'd come out at 10 p.m., way past my bedtime, and would see my dad sitting there in his shed, wearing his zip-up hoodie that was too big for him, just smiling at something he found in his telescope. Age. He never raised his voice at me those nights. I had other friends whose parents let them get away with stuff, but not my dad. He was fairly strict about school and drugs. Probably for the best. I found out I have a bit of an addictive personality through, uh, you know. But Dad would always make time to be with me. He'd pull me up onto his lap and show me the cosmos laid bare. Why? Point out some star. Way off in the distance. No, not that star. The one behind it. The one even smaller than that. Hard to see, huh? It's funny given how big space is. You'd think my dad would have looked at any other parts of it rather than this one specific wedge of it. I mean, 
There's even stars down on the southern hemisphere that we will never see unless we physically go there. There's this constellation you can see from Australia called the Southern Cross. It's exactly what you'd expect it to be. Four stars forming a cross, and one bright one just to the southeast corner of it. But my dad stayed focused on this one small portion of the night sky. It wasn't anything spectacular like Orion, seeing the tall pillars of creation of a star being born. He he always had his telescope pointed at this deeply uninteresting portion. It's almost like he'd been monitoring it for something. If you were to look at our planet from outside the galaxy, it would be a one in a several trillion chance of ever finding it. We sit in this uninteresting end of an uninteresting arm that is almost invisible given our yellow sun. Some planets orbit bright blue stars. Some orbit red dwarfs which burn for trillions of years. And then there's us, sitting here. Almost impossible to detect. My dad stayed focused on this one area of the night sky every night, charting anything and everything that moved through his field of view. He used to get really mad at planes because they would scare the shit out of him. They made him think something was approaching too fast. I don't know. My dad was funny like that. I guess being a guy on his own means you have a lot of free time, and with that free time you find ways to occupy yourself. Like making a stupid puzzle for your son to solve without any help. Thanks, Dad. D. I'd reached the end of the puzzle. All this trouble, all these people I'd worried the past few days, had finally paid off. The message was... I called. They answered. I was confused. What did that mean? Was my dad a federal agent? Was he killed by someone for knowing something? As far as we'd known, he died peacefully in his sleep. My girlfriend was out of the house, so I couldn't work it out with her. But I'd... I'd probably have avoided her. She's heard enough. I closed the book. I went to lay down. I... I closed my eyes and spun the sentence around in my head. Was this another puzzle? Do these letters spell something else? Am I supposed to add the values together to get the latitude and longitude of a body? I had no idea. But I sat there, with a sentence I called, they answered, rotating in my mind. Nineteen letters with seemingly no meaning. Nineteen. My dad was a very clever man, and I knew this couldn't have stopped here. I fumbled around with the words in my mind and found nothing, so I went back out to the living room and picked up the book and flipped to page 19. On the page was a children's story. I figured this was something he wrote for me when I was a kid, or something he wanted to tell my kids, if I ever have them, as one last gift from their grandpa to them. But no. It was so much more. The story reads... 
I am a hunter. Everyone I know is long gone. Every morning I wake up hungry. I look for food. I see so little. To find prey, I must stay quiet. All my life, I have learned to sneak around the outskirts of the hunting ground and stay out of sight. That was until the day I met the big tiger. I found the big tiger before he had seen me. I stared at him for so long, I learned every stripe on his body and every whisker on his face. He was the scariest animal I have ever seen. I always learn to fight for your life when you see a great beast, or run if you don't feel like you can kill. I didn't like either of these options, so I stood up from the bushes and walked out. Hello, I said to the tiger. The tiger did not respond. Hello, big tiger. I am here, in front of you. And the tiger did not respond again. Frustrated, I stood up tall and shouted, Big Tiger, I am right here in front of you. I need you to know that I am your friend. The tiger stood up and looked me right in the eyes and said, If we are friends, then how come I do not know your name? I have a name. It is Hunter. If we are friends, then how come I do not know what you eat? Oh, I have such wonderful food back at my house. I eat nuts and berries and meat and drink water whenever I'd like. And if we are truly friends, the tiger said, why haven't you shown me your home? The hunter stopped for a second and thought very hard. He reached into his knapsack and pulled out a paper and pencil and drew the best directions he could. Here, the hunter said to the big tiger, I may not be able to come to your house, but here is how to get to mine. The tiger took the map and said, The journey to your house is so long, I will need to tell my family it could take years and years. Tell me, will you be home when we stop by? The hunter let out a frown and said, I don't know how much time I have left in this jungle but I'd wait an eternity to meet you and your family. Please hurry. The tiger turned around, began to walk away before saying, We will be leaving soon. Thank you for inviting me to your home. I now know what my dad had been doing in that shed all these years. By the time I reported this, I'd been deemed an insane person by everyone I knew. I figured with my rough math estimates that from the distance of our sun to theirs, we've got about 14 years before they're standing right here on our doorstep. And if the date on this journal's right, he'd written this message the day before I'd turned 16. And I... I'll be 30 this year. There's no telling what all my dad said to them. There's no telling what sort of society they have. There's no telling what kind of bacteria they carry. All I know is what my dad did before he died. I called. They answered. 
Top story tonight, can you trust the word of a dead man? In what is being called the prophet's guide to the stars, miniature decentralized cults have sprung up around the globe, worshipping a god they call Bada Bog. Now I won't tell you why you gotta tell us to be listening to science when one guy comes out and tells us all that's gonna happen, all of a sudden he's crazy. We all know the Bada Bog is coming. You do too. You better be welcoming him with open arms if you know what's good for you. Government officials are calling it the prank of the century. However, opposition groups say they'd rather be prepared and let down than be hit when they aren't expecting it. The United States military is gearing up for the nuclear war to end all nuclear wars, priming missiles. But this time, aiming them upwards toward the night skies. Opponents of this strategy are calling for... Neither Here Nor There is a bi-weekly horror joint writing and audio production project. The music for this show is provided by Cryo Chamber. A link to their band camp is in the description.